Welcome to the clean truth, where we like to call bullshit on the status quo. What is up? Welcome back to the clean truth. I'm Don. I'm your host. Silver Fox is back with us. Here we are. This will be the first podcast that airs for 2021. I'm pretty excited. We got a pretty cool guest on the show. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Mr. Matt Drury from Drury Outdoors. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good. How you doing, Matt? I'm good, man. How about you? We're excited. Excited to have you on today. So, Matt, we always go. We always play a little game before we get into the podcast. Usually, I, I bust Ben's balls about something to open the show, but I don't really have anything to bust his balls about today. But we always do a little, uh, like a clean truth or dare, and I put it out on social media and let people ask us some borderline edgy stuff if they want to do it. So the the one truth that I got that I thought was pretty funny, some of these people that do this, they need Jesus in their life because I got some pretty <laughs> whacked out stuff that I'm not going to put up here. But the, the, the cool one I got was uh, what what is your biggest fear while you're working out? Wow. I know what mine is, but Matt, I'll let you go first, man. You're the guest. Letting it rip <laughs> yeah. while you're doing a squat or something. <laughs> So what's yours, Ben? Uh, mine would probably be the scary one. Mine would be the I hate seeing people in the gym with the the thumb unwrapped around the bar. That scares the crap out of me. You always hear the, the horror stories of people having the it bar come crashing crashing down to their neck. Like that scares me. So I'm always thinking about eh, better safe than sorry. I think mine would be right there with Matt, except mine would be you know just all out shit in my pants. That, that would be a scary one for me, but. Any close calls? No, no, never have. So, anyway, let's dive into this, Matt. I I just wanted to bring you on, man, because Ben and I have recently. I personally have gotten back into hunting recently, um, and Ben just started with me. We we just bought some new bows together and have kind of just reintroduced ourselves to the outdoors. I hunted a little bit when I was in my early twenties, and then starting the business with my wife, and and just you know there really isn't any excuses other than I just kind of took it for granted where I lived when I used to live back there in St. Louis where you're at. Yeah. And, um, man, I, I'm regretting it. Cause I really you miss wish, it. Yeah. I really wish I would not have taken a 20 year hiatus and not appreciated being in the outdoors. Yeah. It's one of those things where we saw it here this last year, you know, March hits COVID, you know, strikes and everybody's panicking and an Oh shit mode. And all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I can't get some of the basic necessities that I, take for granted. I can't go to the grocery store because the shelves are empty. I can't get out. I can't go to fast food. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's all of a sudden it's like, wait, you know what? Maybe hunting wasn't such a bad thing anyways, because over the past, really ever since Bambi hit, hunting has been kind of vilified. And it's, it's a shame because the way that Hollywood portrays hunting is in no way, shape or form what hunting really is. And, um, you know, we battle this, we battled this forever as, as hunters and as society has changed through the last couple decades, three, four decades and our needs and, and kind of the way that we do mass food and mass food production and all this stuff, hunting has kind of fallen by the wayside for a lot of folks. And there's a lot of reasons why, you know, it could be, uh, the privatization of land. It could be, um, youth sports have a big, uh, part of it, the, you don't have a mentor to show you how to hunt. There's all kinds of reasons why people fall out of hunting. But as things shit hit the fan this year, all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I need to know how to fill my own freezer. If everything, oh, sure. 
you, you know what I mean? If things go by the wayside here, and, it, and I don't think this is going to happen, but it, what happened is it brought people back to the realization that hunting isn't a bad thing. When you're hunting for sustenance and you're filling your freezer and you're, you're eating what you kill, it's, you know, that's the way the majority of hunters are. But the way that it's been portrayed in media and Hollywood, it's that we're all trophy hunters. Well, guess what? You can, you can still try to get the biggest buck out there but you eat it still. Sure. I mean, we don't just leave it, cut its head off and leave yep. it there to lay. It's, there's a, it's just a bunch of misconceptions on how hunting really is portrayed. And I think there's people like Cameron Haynes and, you know, Joe Rogan got on kind of the bandwagon. And there's a lot of guys that can, they're spreading the message in a good way for all of us. You know, we've been in business over 30 years and I've seen a lot of changes uh, over that time period. But I think in the last five years or so we've started to see a positive uh out, outreach from guys like joe rogan kind of you know even though he's not the most hardcore hunter and he's learning a lot as he goes here he's his voice reaches so many people so that helps all of our cause in in, in the hunting industry absolutely well, well speaking of business talk about drury outdoors and what all you guys do i know you know i was introduced to it through kyle mcclellan i think a mutual friend of ours yep. and um you know, when I bought our farm not too long ago, I started, I downloaded your app and, um, you know, kind of started asking buddies around different tips and tricks. And that was the biggest, I think that app was honestly the biggest thing that helped me, you know, right out of the gate. Kyle said, Hey man, download this app. Um, Ben and I went out a first couple weekends. I, you know, that I had the moon. property. Yeah. And weather was warm. It was a full moon. And, and I had a buddy that lived here that told me that. And I was like, man, I had never heard of this. So I reached out to Kyle and was kind of picking his brain. And, and that's when he just finally was like, Hey man, check this app out. You know, uh, Matt's bought your meals before. I know you've talked to him online and it really helped. It really did. And I've learned a lot from it. So talk about what, like what Drury Outdoors does. Yeah. So my dad and uncle started the company back in 1988 and they started basically to say, my dad's a civil engineer by trade. He's got a construction company and Mark, um, he was rep repping mossy oak camouflage at the time and he was in his early 20s dad was in his mid 30s and mark was a competitive turkey caller like that's that's a thing there's turkey calling contests all over the country and he was a i think a five or six time world natural voice champion wow. and um so he was kind of in the industry and in those days the industry was just starting and um so he got together with dad and he said look you know, I see these turkey hunting videos out here, but they're not hunting them. They just, they're showing, they call these turkeys and they call them in, they get it on video. So you can kind of hear the natural uh, tones and noises that turkeys make. He goes, I think we could do this, but instead of just calling them in, I think we, sh we could kill them once we call them in. And so they hunted for two springs and they hunted in the Ozark mountains and, and uh, down in Arkansas on public ground. And they got enough hunts together. And they, they went down in, in Mississippi in a van and edited a tape together. And that was the beginning. They started selling those tapes. They were VHS tapes. They were selling them to um, local rental stores. So they'd sell one VHS tape for 50 bucks. And then the rental store would, would rent it out over and over and over. Well, they started kind of getting a following. In the mid-90s, they started making deer hunting videos, and um, they they kind of hit it big, and they, they partnered with uh, Outdoor Life, the NRA, and a, a few other big companies and affinity marketing programs where 
if you were one of their members, you'd get a VHS uh, and it was one of our titles. And if you didn't send awesome. it back, they'd send you another one. Well, they, they did millions of titles during those period that it was like a, probably a five, seven year period. They did, they did millions, distributed millions of titles. And that's when we really kind of started to gain some momentum. And then in the early 2000s, Mossy Oak came to us and said, hey, we want you guys to produce a TV show for us. And that just changed changed our world. Um, you know, after that, we, we've, we've produced four TV shows, uh, 52 original half hour episodes every single year. Uh, we have a huge social media following over 2.5 million followers across all the different platforms. And as you were alluding to, we created and launched an app back in um, August of 2018. We came up with this idea in 2016 of one of our TV shows teaches people a lot about hunting and, and how and why deer move, specifically deer hunting. It's called 13. And so we took that principle and we, we said, how can we make it easier? Well, everybody's got one of these. Let's get it into the palm of their hands and let's continue to teach people how to be successful. Sure. Because one of the biggest barriers you have, say you two go out and you go hunting five, six times and you're like, we haven't seen shit. Like, what's the problem with us? <laughs> Either we don't have deer or we suck. What, what, what's going on? Sure. Well, deer move because of certain weather conditions. And that's one thing that Mark and Terry, they're very analytical guys. And over the years, they, they've kind of figured all this out to an extent. And so we came up with an algorithm that predicts deer movement based on weather conditions. So we teamed up with Weather Channel with IBM Corp, who owns Weather Channel. We use their API. So it's all legitimate weather source coming in hour by hour. And you put in your location. That's called DeerCast. You put in your location and then it basically predicts based on the weather variables if the deer are going to move great good okay poor or badly and that can mean a bunch of different things for different people if you're hunting at mark and terry's place they have you know bigger farms and they're manicured for deer hunting and there's not much intrusion and which is a big factor in hunting they, they might have better movement like they might a great day might see 30 deer for them but a great day for you or me might be 10 deer you know, so that's all relative to your hunting spot. It's all relative to how you accessed your ground, how you went in, like, did you walk through the bedding area? There's a billion different things that we can't control, but generally speaking, the weather and why deer move, we do kind of have that locked in. And that's what the app is based around. That's awesome. I know the one, there was one feature on there that I wanted to ask you about and I was waiting for the show to do it. So Scott's got it kind of pulled up on our monitor here behind you, and you can't really see it. But on the top of the DeerCast app, there's a there's a button there that you can control, and you can yeah. move it up and down. What exactly does that do? That's kind so of so that's that's called DeerCast Custom. It's a custom slider. So if, in your opinion, every time we say it's a great day out, but you to you on your farm, it just seems like it's okay or it's good, you slide that thing down towards the negative a little bit. And you customize our algorithm. Our algorithm is still predicting it the same way, but you can make it a little more positive or negative based on the movement you see on your farm. Oh, that's awesome. No, that's cool. Yeah. I was wondering what that did. Man, I've got a lot. There's a, so many good videos on there, and I've learned a lot just since I've downloaded it and been watching them in the last couple of weeks. I think it's really cool. Well, and that's the thing. So it's one thing to give somebody the tool to say, hey, it's going to be great. Go hunt. It's another thing to have all the videos in there that teach you why. So that ultimately you make these decisions on your own. 
you still use the app. It's a nice guide. I use it every time I hunt, but it's not the definitive factor in why sure. I hunt. The other day I had an okay forecast because it was warm, but I had a spot that I needed a south wind, which typically comes with warm weather. It's a south wind spot where I was hunting and it's in the bedroom of this, this deer I was after. So I went in there, even though it wasn't a great day. And sure enough, he come out early and he, I almost killed him there. He came within 30 yards just behind a tree. I didn't have the shot. So you still have to, you still have to take what you're learning in the app and take what you're learning just by your visual MRI and put that to work and, and make decisions for yourself. This is just a good guideline and a good starting tool. No, it definitely helped us for sure. I think yeah, the, yeah. the mo morning after our second hunt together, we were frustrated and we were having a little late coffee and breakfast sandwich in don's like damn it all right let's download this app <laughs> like and start start doing more research and we we're like all right got to get our education up well i mean in yeah. our own defense that was the the first week i had owned the the property that we bought and you know we didn't put anything down we didn't do any kind of prep work we just yeah. literally went and you know put our simp lock on and went and sat in a stand just to see what we would see and i think it was just really the weather was just warm. We're in, we're in southeastern North Carolina, so yeah. that was almost a month ago, and yep. we were still hitting 70-degree temps back then in the morning. So, Yeah, and it's, you know, definitely geography plays a big part in it. Different, Like in the Midwest, you, like you were saying, you, you didn't know what you had when you were in St. Louis. The Midwest is notorious for our growing giant whitetails because of the soil. It's so fertile. That means the corn, the beans, the ag is so abundant they're eating stuff that that helps their the nutrients which ultimately helps their racks grow bigger their body weight everything and so we're blessed in the fact that we're in an area where we grow big whitetails and if you then start managing your deer herd meaning planting food plots creating more cover for them uh, which is you know meaning where they sleep their bedding uh making sure there's water source around you know the things that they look for and and then you, you know, planting food plots is a whole different, you know, a whole different thing where you're creating food for them for year round, not just because, because the farmers, they'll plant ag, but they're going to cut that in October, right. you know, right. corn, beans, whatever. So then it's gone. They're looking for food sources. That's where we come in with our food plots. So there's a ton of strategies around that, but you know, down in the South and the Northeast, like people are planting food plots everywhere. You don't have to have the best dirt necessarily to do that. You can you know, lime and, and, and fertilize and do things to help your own cause there. So that's, you know, you can geek out on the hunting side and learning how to hunt. You get into the food plotting and, and land management and you're helping not only your deer herd, but turkeys and, you know, pheasant, quails, whatever, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can do to be a, la a land manager. And so you're starting your evolution right now. And, and you're going to, in five years, you're going to look back and you're going to be, so you can ask Kyle, you'll be so neck deep into it. You're like, man, I can't believe what we've created here. Your farm will look totally different in five yeah. years than it did today. And it's all because you, you decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to try something new. So I, honestly, the way I look at it, I don't think it's too indifferent from nutrition, from working out, from you don't know what you don't know. So what do you do when you want to get into it? You dive into the internet, you find podcasts that, you know, the guys at First Farm, you know, guys like you, the clean eats, it's, you do those things to be better. And when you want to get better at hunting, you find a source that's, you know, number one, and, and you try to get as much information as you can. Very similar. 
No, absolutely. You've already, I, you've already started doing some of that. No, yeah, you said the, the farm would look better or look different in five years. I think it looks different already for just from when I bought it a month ago, just from the little bit of stuff that I've done. But, you know, I, I bought that place. I was shooting in those um, – I shot in a couple of the, you know, the pistol matches, the USPSA matches with a buddy of mine here. And, you know, and, and I knew I, I wanted a place to shoot because he was about an hour and 20 minutes away from where I lived. So for me to go up there and shoot for the entire day – after I would load all my gear up in my truck, run up there, shoot in a match for five to six hours and come back home. I mean, that was a long day. And so I was, me and my wife were talking and we wanted a place that we could go and kind of get away. And we started to look at like places up in Boone to go up in the mountains and, and things like that, because we were going to like App State football games and stuff like that. And we decided against that, you know, buying a place five hours away that we might use six times a year was just a little absurd at the time. So I started looking around here and I found this place and it was just way too good to pass up. And my original intent was to go out there and, and build a place that I could shoot. And then I, I, we wound up closing on it. I went out there and I was like, man, I don't want to disturb this ground. There's a ton of wildlife here. And, you know, I was looking for something to kind of get away and, and use it as a stress relief. And, you know, and I, and obviously, you know, put meat in my freezer and stuff like that. And, but, I don't know. I just kind of changed my whole outlook on the whole place. When I bought it, I was like, man, I really want to, I want to learn how to hunt. I want to start doing these things again because it's, it's something that I can put business on the back burner and kind of turn my mind off for a little while, if you will. But you're right. I've already talked about there's, there's about a 10 acre plot up in the front. That's perfect to put food plots down. And I've shot videos to Kyle and a couple other guys and they're like, man, you got the perfect spot there. So you're right, man. When you, when you dive into it, you'll get neck deep in there real quick. And it's, it's all, it all depends on what your, your goals are. So for you, you decide to switch your goals and be more of a kind of a retreat for guys like Sal and Andy. I know they use, you know, Andy's property that they, you know, ride their four wheelers and they shoot guns and, sure. you know, it's, it's different. They're not hunters that, that that's not something they're as interested in. So they use it for different, it's still a recreational piece of property and they use it differently than what, I would or what you may, you know, because your goals are different. So that's, that's, you, it's cool that you already figured out what your goal is. And now it's all about kind of customizing and, and, and working towards that goal. Sure. What, uh, you got any tips for a couple of newbies that are sitting here trying yeah, talk, to talk, talk to us about, uh, <laughs> what are your, what's your opinion on, uh, you know, two guys hunting together in the same stand or, do you think that's super difficult? Because I was kind of thinking about that. I'm like, all right, should we be dividing and conquering uh, in the mornings? Or, I mean, sometimes we yeah we get to get we've started out like hunting in the same stand, and it's kind of like fellowship. You know, get up early together, go out there together. Or do you think we should do a little bit of both? What's what's your opinion on you know two guys hunting together? I know a lot of people take one person with them to video, and the other person is the hunter for the day. Yeah. Talk to me well, about your opinion on that. You know, my entire life, I, I've never hunted one time. I'm about, I'll be 40 here in a couple months. I've never hunted one time in my entire life without a camera person. So I don't know what it's like to hunt Solo. on your own. Yeah. So for me, it is a lot about fellowship because I mean that some of that downtime in a stand or in a blind, that's some of the funnest part, you know, cause there's plenty of time where deer aren't moving while you're waiting for them to move. And so you, what are you going to do? You're going to shoot the shit for the most part. You're going to just hang out. And 
I mean, some of my best friends now have been camera guys and, you know, the way that we do it, usually there's, so we're managing for certain quality of deer. Well, that doesn't mean that there might be, it, usually it's based on age structure. We look for five and a half year old deer or older. And, and there's a lot of reasons, but they're starting to reach their maturity. They're starting to, the racks are starting to reach their, their best potential. There's a lot of reasons for it. They're harder to hunt. Well, that doesn't mean that every five and a half year old or older is a giant. You can have some real scrubs, you know, that are, right. that are mature deer that need to be shot. And so a lot of times, whether it's me or my camera guy, we are kind of both hunting. We're hunting different deer. Certain deer step out for him or step out for me. You know, we're, we're both hunting. So we're both kind of, our minds kind of in the game, so to speak. Um, as far as, you know, dividing and conquering, that's, that's a good strategy as well. Because a lot of times you might go out there, deer cast might say great. And, you know, you're, you're like, shit, I didn't see anything doesn't mean they weren't moving in that spot. They could have been moving in another spot. Sure. Yeah, we've been talking about that. You only figure that out by trail camera monitoring or by multiple people hunting. Um, so so that's always something to think about. You know, the one guy might have had the best night of his life and the other guy's like, shit, I didn't see anything. Yeah, so, the, the one cool thing about uh, Don's piece of property is there is a abundance of water. So, but then there's also a large field area. So you've kind of got two completely different like scenarios, you know, you got the big open field where they might pop out of, but then you got the area where, you know, they might be searching for water and food and things like that. So what's the, what's the timber like, you know, what's the cover like thick? It's thick. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, the property that I own is off of the black river here in Southeastern North Carolina. And, and we're kind of off of the river a little bit in a little tributary that, you know, there's a lot of low lying wetlands, if you will, it almost looks like a swamp. Yeah. So probably 20 acres of the 60 acres that we bought is all swamp. And, you know, so if we get a heavy rain, it fills up with water. And, and you know, when it's dry, the deer go back there and they bed down and they lay down in there. And then, you know, they'll, they'll move from one side of the property to the other throughout the day. But then that timber area does have some nice lanes. Mm-hmm. So Don's had some success, like with those, those lanes, because they pop out of that timber area, like into those lanes. And, but we really haven't explored the open field yeah so by and large other than the rut which is when their breeding period is and that's different depending on which part of the country you're in uh but but outside of the rut you're typically looking for deer you're trying to catch them going from food from bed to food or from food to bed so in the evenings you're typically catching them going back to uh, or going from their bedroom to a food source and then in the mornings they're going back to the bedroom from the food source like that's your best opportunity to try to get on a whitetail and and have an opportunity to shoot them other than the rut the rut it's it's kind of a crapshoot because they're running that they're not thinking straight they're running crazy all through the property you can see any deer from a five mile radius during the rut they just aren't thinking straight think about it when you were a 20 year old at the bar (laughs) you know it's about like that so it, it depends on what time of year it is. It depends on what kind of food source you have. There's a lot of factors in there. Uh, so if you don't, you know, say you just bought the property, you don't have any food source on it yet. What's the natural browse? Is it acorns? Do you have acorns on the, like, you got to think where are they going to be at and what, what are they going to hone in on? They're, they're totally looking at survival all the time. And so, especially in the late season, 
they're trying to get fattened up after the rut's over. They're trying to fatten and replenish their all their lost nutrients and get ready for a winter. It may not be as harsh there in that part of the country, but all deer are the same way. They're looking to make it through the winter when food is very scarce. And um, so you got you to kind of find out where they're eating and that's where they're probably going to be at. I think the one one of the best values of the property in, in terms of a food source, you know, the front two pastures of the property, the guy that owned it before me, planted a lot of crabgrass in the fields, and so they they love that. I mean, they're they're up. That's what they're up there eating. So sure, yeah, that green food source. So let's switch from deer to turkey because I know that's one thing yeah. Ben and I are like chomping at the bit, and we've got to wait a couple more months. But man, those birds are everywhere out there because nobody hunts them out there everybody that has land around me they just they Pre- don't hunt them yeah and previous owner like even said he was deer only and the neighbor even said he's deer they, only they so don't touch nobody's them. touched the turkey and there's monsters out there and i know nothing about i've never done it ne- never done it so yeah so turkey hunting can be turkey hunting is a lot more fun than deer hunting and that's a that, that's an opinion that most hardcore hunters that do both will agree on because it's a much more social it's a much more social activity meaning you hear a, you know you try to locate a bird so first of all there's two ways to locate you could do it at night when they're getting ready to go on the roost so they fly up into a tree they sleep in a tree all night all right so one thing you can do is coyote howl and you'll hear them they it's called shot gobbling they they'll gobble it at that sound uh, a lot of times they'll shock gobble at a train going by they'll shock drop, gobble at uh, a jet flying overhead like there's certain sounds that it just triggers them to gobble well you're trying to find out where they're at right so if you know where they're roosted at night well then you're going in there in the morning cover of darkness totally silent and you're trying to set up within you know 60 to 100 yards of where they're going to fly down and be at so what we do a lot of times is we'll put a, de- a decoy out. It's uh, avian X is what we use. They're so lifelike. And we put a decoy out. Maybe it's a hen, maybe it's a Jake and maybe it's both. And depending on what time of the season it is. And that kind of entices them to, to fly down and come your way. So as it starts to get light out, you start doing a little bit of light calling. It's a hen's sound, the female's sound that you're making, trying to convince the, the, the male, the gobbler, to come down and here again it's during their breeding season when when the turkey season is so you're capitalizing off of the fact that they're trying to come and breed the hen and so you know in the morning time if you can get set up and be where they're at you know and set up a decoy there's a good chance you're just trying to kind of get in their way the hardest part about turkey hunting they their vision is incredible they're the dumbest their brain's this big and you'd think they're the dumbest bird alive but they will make you cry every year because they can outsmart you and outwit you and they can see you from a mile away. They can't smell you. So you don't have to worry about that. Like you do with deer hunting. You don't have to worry about your wind and all that, but they can see you. So you got to be, your camouflage got to be on point. You got to, your skills as a hunter have to be pretty good. So you know when you can move, when you can move the gun and, and all those types of things. Hunting it with, I saw that you, you mentioned you're ready to hunt, uh, 
use your bow to hunt hunt turkeys. That's a hard thing to do. So if you you might want to start with a gun just to get acclimated to we got, turkey. Hunting. We got that lined up also. Yeah, we're ready to go there. But. <laughs> and then go from there because I've seen a lot of people fail trying to trying to use a bow to do it, and, and tons of people do do it. But there's something about shooting them. And I don't know if this is going to, this might not jive with the audience, but a turkey, the, the hunters always love shooting a turkey in the face <laughs> with, with that <laughs> shot. And, and with a bow, it's just like anticlimactic. You just don't get the same kind of feeling. Uh, and, and there's other reasons you want to shoot in the face because you don't want to ruin the breast meat or any of that. Sure. So you, you're always aiming for the head, but uh, there's nothing that tastes better than a fresh turkey breast cut up cubed up and deep fried Damn. and that probably ain't on the clean truth but it's <laughs> it's it's tasty Let sounds good you. for new year's yeah it does no I mean, I mean i'm looking forward to the challenge I, I definitely want to try it with a bow but we might try it with a, with a gun first and see how that goes and just to get acclimated i mean i don't even know the first thing about using a turkey call i'll, I'll learn we got a few well, months to learn but scratch calls are easier Probably to start. Well, yeah, friction, friction calls are, are always going to be your easiest. So a slate call, a box call, yeah. that's, that's a slate call right there. This is a box call right here. These are always your easiest tools. They make push button calls. Friction calls are the easiest thing for beginners. A mouth call, I still haven't mastered it. But now Mark and Terry, like these guys, it's unbelievable hunting with them because when you when they, Mark can call a turkey from 500 yards away through hills, creeks, rivers, like it's unbelievable. The guy's, I mean, he's really talented at it. And to watch a guy like that do it via a mouth call, it's it's incredible. Guys like me, we have to rely on slate calls because <laughs> I, I just think the sound it's very specific and and it's hard to do with a mouth call. Nice. You might have, you need to you just need to buy one just so just to piss off Yvonne, just in the house, just keep. You will. <laughs> Well, you'll piss her off because it's annoying to listen to. <laughs> well, everybody here knows how my maturity level is. I'd be in my office and the entire office would hear it. I'd be in there <laughs> scratching at it and be like, what yeah. is that? Yeah. My daughter's always like, ugh. <laughs> so, it's well, all I, good though. I got a uh, opportunity not too long ago. It's it's kind of like, you know, for I'm very blessed and, and I to this opportunity kind of fell in my lap. But, you know, a buddy of mine. I'm going elk hunting in Idaho in November. Nice. So first year I've ever gone out and, and started hunting again. And I'm going to Idaho the very next year to, to go on an elk hunt. All so, in. Um, I was actually is that, a bow, is that a bow hunt or a gun hunt? No, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be yeah. using a, a six, five creed more, but nice. Um, I was texting with the guy last night and I'm trying to get, you know, the gear list set up and everything. And, you know, I've been friends with this guy forever, and he's one of the guys that taught me how to shoot and everything. And he said, man, I'm going to have to have a talk with you and the other three guys that are going. And he said, you know, I'm not taking guys to Idaho with me anymore unless they're very serious. And, and I could tell when this guy gets serious, you know this guy's serious. So he's like, I've taken people to Idaho for two years in a row now, and it's cost me a hunt for two years in a row because they weren't physically prepared to go. Yeah. And, and I was like, listen, man, I've got a grand wrapped up into this trip and we ain't even started yet. So I'm not going to screw around. I'll be ready to go. Trust me. <laughs> You'll be in it for at least seven by the time it's done. It's just amazing. Like you, 
you know, traditional hunters are like, you don't need all that. You don't need camo. You don't need, I got flannel and, you know, I can do it with a trad bow. That's all great. But they make so many good, they make so much good equipment right now because there's been so many people that have gone through these hunts and realized it'd be a lot easier if I had X, Y, or Z. So why not take advantage of it? You know, you can overdo it certainly, but there's some things that, you know, just freaking, if you can, if you can do it, do it and buy it because it will make your life easier in a lot of ways. Yeah. What, I mean, what is your opinion on the physical aspect of those trips? Have you, I mean, have you ever gone out there and done it or? Yeah, I went to uh, Utah, would have been 2017, I think, on a, uh, in Northern Utah on an elk trip. And it was a last minute deal. So we, I was negotiating a new contract with uh, Leupold Optics. And uh, the CEO of Leupold, he wanted to invite Mark or Terry in for a hunt. And uh, they, they didn't have any interest. It was only like a two, basically somebody dropped out of this hunt. And so they're like, hey, Matt would love to go. So I had a 10 day heads up to be in peak shape to go elk hunting, you know, the mountains of uh, Utah. Needless to say, I wasn't in peak shape, you know, so I did the best I could. I Luckily, you know, this is kind of a dream to be on the podcast because I use your products religiously and you could go back and check my order history. Like this isn't a, a plug or I've been using clean eats for probably I, at least two and a half years now, maybe three. I, I was awesome. at a function with First Form and uh, it was like a charity event and you must have given, donated uh, like a 200 meal box or what? No, not 200 meals. Um, oh, it was, it was 30 Kyle. Meal, 30 meal box or whatever. I think and it was Kyle. The St. Louis event. Cardinals yeah. thing? No, it was it was at First Form and Sal, it was a family family friend of Sal's that lived in, I think, Arizona or something. And the little, their child had cancer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, so Kyle invited me to come. And that's the one thing I bid on in the silent auction. And I won the bid. And that was the first time I have ever used the product. And I can honestly tell you that I have used them weekly since then. And it's made, because I never understood how to eat right, how to count macros, how to do any of that. I just, that was something like how I get hunting. I don't get <laughs> that yeah. element of fitness. Well, through my thirties, the early thirties, like up from 30 to 35, I was, I just gained a lot of weight and, um, you know, my wife got pregnant. We got married. It was just, it was just got fat and happy as they say. And so at 35, I started hitting the gym and working out and trying to be better. And, I got that opportunity to hunt in Utah. It's, this is all coming full circle. I got that opportunity to hunt in Utah. Luckily, I had been working out for maybe a year or so leading up to that. So I wasn't totally just out of shape, but I'm nowhere, I wasn't nowhere near where I am now. And I'm not even peak condition now. Like, as you guys know, you can always continue to get better and better and better. Absolutely. But that, luckily, I had been working out. I had been getting in better shape because when I started at age 35, turned 35, and I thought, man, I got a kid, I'm out of shape. Like, what the hell is my life going to look like at 45, at 55? Like, I'm going to be a piece of shit here. You know, like, <laughs> I want to be active. I want to get out there. And uh, so I was in better condition by the time that hunt happened. Needless to say, I had 10 days heads up. I had to get a gun. I had to get the scope. had to get it sighted in. I had the 30 out 6 Winchester XBR and, and using their big game expedition. And we went on this hunt three days of, 
probably about seven miles a day, I'd say, seven miles a day going up and down. And it was definitely grueling. But for me, the, the hardest part was day one before we ever hunted in Utah, like you get in and you have to, you can't hunt the first day you're there. So the guy took me to like a high ridge or mountaintop or whatever. And we went down and kind of went in after some elk just to hear them and see them and get acclimated because I had never been on an elk hunt at that point. And we got up the, the back up to the top where the truck was. And I was like, holy shit, I can't breathe. Like that was the hardest part was getting acclimated to just the elevation. Yeah. And once we, once, once I got, I, I had a killer headache, like all night, I couldn't sleep. I was nervous. I was, you know, I'm there with Leopold CEO and <laughs> you know, representing our company. And it was just, it was just a lot. And uh, after I got that bullshit kind of behind me, like the hunting itself wasn't horrible. Like you, we took, we went at our, at our own pace, if that makes sense. So that helped me a lot, but I can tell you this, if I hadn't been working out leading into it, I definitely would have had a much tougher time going up and down those mountains. It was just, there was just a lot to it, you know? So anyways, ended up killing a 330 bull mm. uh, at 200 yards, dropped him in his tracks. And it was a trip of a lifetime. It's the only animal my wife will, let, I got a shoulder mount, you know, it's the only animal she'll let in the house. Like everything else is at my office or here at my home office. Like, Oh damn. It was incredible. You'll, you, it'll be a trip of a lifetime, whether you kill something or not, you'll love it, man. It's a, it's a total rush. No, I'm looking forward to it. I think, uh, I think the physical aspect, I think is more, I'm looking for, it's call me crazy, but that's what I'm looking forward to the most because I haven't had any physical goals, I guess, if you will, since I quit competing in bodybuilding. And so getting in shape for something like this, that I know I have money on the line and that I, you know, it's, no, no turning back. Yeah, right. Like I'm already in it. I'm signed up. I'm ready to go. I've got money invested in it. So it's, yeah. it's not like I can just say piss off. I'm not going to do this and, and waste yeah. everything. So for me, getting in shape for this, because I know the two guys that, you know, kind of fell out, I guess, if you will, or, or had some things happen. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the, the physical aspect of that. But it should be a good trip. Is, it a public, is that a public land, public land hunt? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a grind, man, for sure. And the 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 tag process, holy crap. Scott was with me in the truck. We had to go we had to be in an event the day that the tags went on sale and the guys that was uh that I'm going with, they said make sure you're at your computer the time they go on sale cuz they will sell out in a few hours. So I was literally driving in my truck and we pulled my truck over in a parking lot and I flopped my computer open and got on the website and I got in this virtual line and I wound up being the first one out of our group of guys to get through. Nice. And and then they, they tell you that once you get in, you're on a time limit to actually put the tags in your cart and check out. Right. Yeah. Well, what they didn't tell me was you have to buy the hunting license for the tags to show up in there. It yeah. timed out on me three times. I mean, I almost, oh. I almost broke my computer in half. I was so mad. I'm like, I went through all of this then I didn't know if it charged my card and all of this, but it, it, I wound up getting through it and, it and it was good, but it was almost a bad day. It was almost a very <laughs> bad day. <laughs> well, that'll uh, be a trip of a lifetime, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. You uh, got any opinions on, uh, let's talk about ammo for a minute. I can't find ammo to save my entire life. And you're not gonna, I mean, it's, it's one of those deals where and, and no matter what side of the aisle you, you, your, you know, political leanings are because of the new administration that 
a Democratic administration always strikes fear in the gun community for right or wrong. And there's always a, a, a gun and ammo grab leading into, you know, that they always said Obama was the best salesperson for firearm, the firearm industry. And I have a feeling Biden will be as well. And it just, it's just the reality of why, why that happens. Um, people think their guns are going to get taken away. And I, I don't ever think it'll, it'll necessarily come to that. Uh, but but there could be restrictions. There could be certain things that change, and and, uh, and and people just go nuts during these periods and buying up everything they can buy and stockpiling it. And you know my safe's right here, and it's just stocked with ammo. And it's just one of those things where sometimes I think, am I ever going to use all this? I don't know, but I got it. It's my yeah. right. I have it. I'm pretty much. I'm, you know, a legal gun owner, and I'm safe with it. And so why can't I? You know, that's how I look at it. I'm the same way. I mean, I've got thousands upon thousands of rounds at my house and I don't touch it. I haven't shot yeah. my guns the way that I normally would like to because I don't want to shoot up everything. I won't be able to get any more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of guys are making their own. My brother-in-law does actually, and he has for years and even he's having trouble getting the casings. There's a supply and demand issue and supply cannot keep up with demand. And then you throw in the fact that COVID shut down a lot of plants back in March in the spring, they're already behind. And that's in all industry. We auto industry, everything that we're, we're uh, somehow partnered with, they all have the same problems. They, they, they cannot meet demand. So the economy's booming in that regard. People are spending the money, but they can't keep product on the shelves. And there was that whole there for a few months where they weren't making more and they just they just can't keep up and they're running lines i know winchester's running their plants you know 24 7 and they just can't can't keep up with the demand and it's not going to change i mean as soon as you find a sporting goods store that gets us a new shipment i mean it's it's gone like that yeah i was actually um i was at sportsman's warehouse here in wilmington the other day i don't remember what i went by there but i was in there and i was standing in the ammo aisle and the guy had put, I don't know, man, 20 or 30 cases of 223 on the shelf. I literally stood there and was talking to a, re a restaurant owner that I know here in town. As I'm having this conversation, I watched 20 guys walk up and grab a case and walk off with it. It was gone in five minutes. The whole, the yeah. whole shipment. While he stopped, so I was standing there and he stocked the shelf right in front of yeah, me. It was gone. Five three is probably the worst of all. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's hard to find it in. Crazy. Man. Um, so I want to backtrack a minute. You said, we were talking about the physical aspect of it, and I think that's one thing that's kind of catching on. I mean, I'm, I'm just now getting back into being in the outdoors, but the more stuff that I'm watching and I'm trying to learn and, and I'm looking at online, I think the physical aspect of athleticism is coming to play into hunting as well. And I don't know if, you know, I mean, obviously you can look at guys like Cameron Haynes or might have a, might have a hand in that, but I think, I think it's a good thing. What do you, I mean? Yeah, I think there's two types of hunters in, in, in regards to this, this, the health side of things. There's, there's the old school, the older guy, my dad and my uncle, like they, they don't need, they're hunting a different way. They're hunting, you know, in blinds They're you know, they have, uh, you know, a side by side or they have a, you know, a, a UTV or whatever to get kind of close to their spot. Like it's not physically grueling for them to hunt, but, though that was them 30 years ago it was you know and they right. were hunting around and as they age as they bought their farms it hunting became something different for them and and 
the new wave of hunters coming in, guys our age and younger, I think it's something much different. I think they want to be in good condition. They want to, not everybody. I mean, there's a good old country boy in Iowa that's living off Casey's Pizza and Kodiak and Mountain Dew, and it's fine. You know what I mean? You're not going to change those guys. They, they love Monster. and sure. that's, You know what I mean? But there are a lot of guys, and Cameron probably has helped that a lot, where they want to be in good condition. They want to feel good. They want to look good. They want to you know, they might be hunting public ground, they might be hunting out west, they might whatever it may be, and they just want to be in good shape. And I think, I think, you know, companies like yours, the guys at First Farm, they're, they're, they're great tools for guys like me that I don't know jack about, about working out. I don't, you know, it's just not my, that's not where I, my intelligence is. I don't understand a lot of it. So I work with guys that do, right? Like I, I learn from guys that do nope, and try absolutely. to help them the first format with my macros and tracking stuff. Like I believe if, if I'm not eating a clean eats meal where it says it on the side of the package and our first form bar or something like, I never know, like if my wife's making something upstairs for dinner, it's like, shit, what do I put in for my macros here? I'm yeah. Not- you know what I mean? Like you guys have made it easier for me. And, and so I just feel like it's helped me and my personal goals to try to become a, a better, just more fit in general, which then translates out into the field. I, I can hunt longer. I can stand, you know, stand longer, last longer, whatever it may be. It just helps me. My overall fitness, my overall mental condition, you, you know what I mean? Having goals in the gym and mental, those mental challenges, it helps you out in the woods as well when you're sitting for hours and not seeing a damn thing and focus and all those types of things. It, it is intertwined a lot more than people think, no doubt. I, I believe, after I, kind of being on both sides of it. I think the uh, the pandemic as a whole has brought out a lot more masculinity like across the board. Like People are getting in their garages more often, either A, to make home gyms, or B, to just be handy just around the house. Projects. And that just led into, you know, lifting weights that led into people getting outside and hunting more. And it's gotten kind of that itch. It got the, it got people more into fitness probably than, than ever before in a sense of not going to big box gyms, but just getting into like an overall better, like physical fitness side of things. And yet yeah, for, for okay. us, cause we already had the fitness side going on. We we're like, well, we want to add the, the hunting side to the masculinity. So and that's a good point that you're touching on because I think as much as we all love this, it has contributed to the decline of that masculinity. 100%. Absolutely. Homes and, and they've become couch potatoes. They're in a vegetative state on TikTok or on whatever social channel you want. And look, I get it. I mean, we all fall to it sooner or later at times, but you gotta, you gotta step aside and say, all right, man, like, what am I showing my kids here? Like, that this is, you know, that we're okay. Like, I don't want them on, on a screen more than 15 right. or 20 minutes. Why the hell am I? Right. You know, so what else can I do to your point? All right, go outdoors. It costs you nothing to go for a walk or a run or, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things that are free out there that, that can get you kind of rolling and start the process. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're like, yeah, maybe I do want to buy some weights or join a gym or you know, whatever, take it to the next level. Like, you know, think about it. A guy that's spending seven, eight bucks at a fast food restaurant every day for lunch or whatever it may be, 
think about if you bought your clean eats meals instead and and all of a sudden you're going from 750 calories to 450 or five grams of protein to 22 or whatever it may be like if you start thinking about it differently all of a sudden your mentality changes and your life starts to change and you didn't oh, even, yeah. you didn't even have to do that much to make a change for the better are you in a rut are you in a depression are you just thinking i'm not getting the max out of this body you can change it and it's not that hard you just gotta make that first step and yeah. that's the i point. mean we didn't watch as much sports you and i've both talked about that a bunch like none and we were dying for sports to come back and we bought those bows and we were like this is free entertainment yeah i mean yeah. and well, we, were, we were so hyped about it i mean I know something to segue off of what you were just saying. One of the things, and it, it kind of irritates me when I hear this, and I've heard a couple guys say it, and I've I've heard a couple guys put it on the internet, and they've said stuff like this. And basically, what they're saying is, is that you know, being in the outdoors now, and and getting out and being in the outdoors is becoming a fad. It's becoming a trend, and you know, they were kind of knocking this, and I was like, I can't get down with that. I don't agree with you because, you know, what you were saying about. And, and the question that I asked was bringing the athleticism into being in the outdoors and, and kind of intertwining that. What is the problem with people realizing how, how good the, being in the outdoors can affect their life and, and intertwining different things that they do to make themselves better in a positive direction? It well, irritates a, me when I see guys do that. It's a weird thing because a lot of people are complacent in where their food comes from and they don't want to think about it. And and so hunting for them is some, you, the masculinity has started to, you know, in the last 30, 40 years, it just slowly declined, the less blue collar guys, less, you know, there's more, I, I sit behind a desk all the time. I mean, it's just, you, you, there's so many things that have kind of taken away guys for utilizing what we naturally have gained over, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. We're just kind of putting that on the shelf now. And we use our fingers to type and that's, you know, we use our mind and all that, but we don't use our physical body as much. So I just think we're in a weird spot and people are starting to realize like, you know what, I can change this. I can get out more. I can, you know, and so that, that mentality they had about food and where it comes from is starting to change. Like it's not murder, you know, which is what people will say that are vehemently against it or it's not just trophy hunting. Like, I can tell you right now, like my kids eat more, you know, deer sausage and deer sticks and they love it. You know what I mean? And anybody that in my neighborhood that doesn't hunt that I've given some to and they eat it and they're like, holy cow, this is really good. I never thought, I always thought it was gamey. It's like, no, there's a billion different ways you can make it to where it's, oh, yeah. fancy. you know, it's a, you could eat at the fanciest restaurant and, and have this and never realize it. So it's just, it's trying to break down the barriers. It's trying to be a good uh, representative for that lifestyle and you can't pull people into it. You got to slowly introduce them and kind of hold their hand and, and bring them along the way and teach them why it can be good. And I think that's not that indifferent from what, like I keep going back to this, what you guys do, what the guys are first form do, like you have to teach them so they understand the whys and yep. they can understand the whys. Then you kind of give them the hows. And then all of a sudden they're starting to do it themselves. And then they can be a representative to get somebody into that lifestyle. No doubt. Well said. I know you're talking about making the food, man. That's another reason why I wanted to, to get back into this was from the culinary aspect. I mean, we're in the restaurant business, so 
trying to experiment around and, and make food a different way and, and use game to do that, I think is awesome. But yeah, got some quail at home. I'm excited to mess with. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you, man, so much for coming on. I, I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there, but man, this was awesome. This was awesome, man. I learned a lot just sitting here and just shooting the shit. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. And I was, like I said, I was excited because you guys have helped me change my life in a lot of ways with the, the, the meals that you guys put out there. And even through the deer season, like deer season is always tough for me because we hunt so much. I stop working out and a lot of, you know, for basically two months, so we're hunting every day, you sure. know, we're doing, we're out there. And one thing that keeps me kind of in check, I eat your meals every day and I am not BSing you guys at all. And even like through Christmas, you know, the Christmas break and all the different functions I went to and it's like, all right, start seeing the weight go up a little bit. And I start cutting it back down by getting back on the program and eating these meals. And I just add one for lunch and it's, you know, hibachi beef. And it's, there's always so many (laughs) different choices. Like you, you don't get tired of it. There's always so many choices. So I got to say, thank you. I'm a fan and this isn't a plug. I buy the meals. I, you know, I love them. And uh, anytime someone asks me about them, I, I'm happy to say, hey, check this place out. So thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks again for having me on. All yeah. right, man. Take it easy, man. Thank you again. All right. Peace. Till next time, guys.